Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. I'm your host, Eric Flickinger, and I want to let you know that we are so grateful every week to have you join us. We appreciate the fact that you are gaining something every week as you come to these lessons, as you study them, as you delve into them. And we hope and trust that each week you will take what you learn here and go share it with somebody else. We're blessed this week once again to have with us the author of this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. He is the president of the Iceland Conference, Gavin Anthony. Gavin, welcome back once again. Thank you. So this is week number eight. We are over halfway there, and then some. And we have a fascinating subject this week. It is faith. Uh, The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's so many great passages in the Bible about faith. And when we go through trials, one of the most important things that we can have to help us through is faith, faith in the one who knows the end from the beginning. So walk us through this week's lesson on faith. Gavin, where do we start? Yes, well, if you remember from previous weeks, we've been looking at how precious faith is. Uh, And faith is what leads to Christ being honored at the second coming. So faith is very valuable. So we're spending this week just to look at at faith. Uh, Maybe I'll take you back to uh, something that happened to me when I was a teenager that really uh, emphasizes the reality. Well, it's faith building. When we lived in Sri Lanka, we were in the middle of what was the beginning of the civil war. And on the day when it began, there were all of the the homes and the businesses on the right side of our compound were in flames. But before that, um, we had suddenly um, people were climbing over the walls to try and find safety. People were being literally macheted in the streets. I had friends who watched people being pushed from the tops of buildings into the streets below and people were burned in tires. I mean, this was truly horrendous. And people began streaming over the walls looking for sanctuary in our house. And that night we had about 30 people hiding in our house. My mother and two younger brothers went over the wall to a neighbor's house. My father and I stayed with the, with the people in, in, in the house. We were told that our house was going to be burned that night because there was a lookout on the corner on a high building that they were in the process of building. And he saw my mother leading people to safety. She was um, bent down below the height of the wall so no one could see them coming into our house. But this person with the high vantage point saw them. So we heard they were going to burn burn our house down that night. We had uh, two policemen at our door that were so scared themselves they were drunk. They had one bullet in their guns, so it wasn't going to help much. Uh, the British High Commission said that the, 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 the city was in such an uproar they couldn't help us. So here we were in our home uh, waiting to see what would happen. And I remember we slept in our clothes that night. We had our passports and one set of clothes in a suitcase. And as we went to sleep, I can still remember it vividly, my eyes were stinging from the ash that was in the air. The the green grass of the lawn outside of our house was grey. The whole 
lawn was grey from the burning buildings all around us. And I was 15 at the time, and I took my Bible and I opened it. And this is what I read. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And I got to that point, and my father was on the other side of the room on his bed, and he said, Gavin, I want to read you something. And guess what he read? He read, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I just laid there in just astonishment, and it was like, wow. Um, It was like God came and just hugged me. And it was like this precious secret. I never told my family what had happened. Um, many years later, I had finished my theological training at Newbold College and I started working as a pastor. I was a few years into my ministry. And my, my mother was visiting from Pakistan, where my, my parents were working at the time. And at the beginning, I needed a children's story. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll tell this story. And I introduced her and said, my mother has never heard this story. And I told her what I just told you. And at the end of it, she had her hand up in the air. And it's always a bit dangerous in the middle of a church service when your mother has got her hand up. And uh, I kind of just like, yes. (laughs) And she said, there's a part of that story you don't know. And I thought, well, this is my story. I kind of know the whole story. And she said, when I went with your two younger brothers over the wall that night, I opened my Bible And I read exactly the same words. Wow. So last week we were talking about hope in God's presence uh, because God is present and here was a demonstration of it. And because we know God is present, we can trust him. And that's what it says in here. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So this is what we're unpacking this week. The reasons for trusting God. So if you and your father and your mother all independently, apart from God, brought those verses, same verses together at the same point in time, that could and should be a faith-building experience. And especially to to hear the third part of that story some years later from your mother, aren't you glad you, you called on her when she raised her hand? You might never have known, at least not in this world, in this life, what, uh, what God had there for you. So beautiful faith-building story. So many stories that we have, so many passages this week that we are, are looking at and, and seeing how God has, has pulled everything together. On Sunday's lesson, we have a passage here in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 28 through 39 are the, are the verses that are referenced in that particular uh, passage but verse 32 is of particular interest. Uh, yes. I, I, I mean, Romans 8, the whole chapter is just chock-a-block with amazing stuff. And we've referred to some of it already. But we get to verse 32. Um, now, this is a slightly different translation, and it kind of puts it a bit graphically. Um, and Paul says, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, Embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son. Is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? 
Yes, I, and but we we kind of we kind of don't realize the gravity of really what God is saying. He's saying, "Listen, I have given you my son. Is there anything more precious that I could give you?" Now, this is the most precious. So, if I'm giving you Christ, then surely I am going to give you everything you need. Uh, but but that, that's the problem again. We're going through difficult stuff. We were tempted to think God is kind of mean and a bit miserly. Uh, and No, he's not giving me what I need right now. I need this, you know, X, Y, and Z, and it's not coming. He's like, God, no. God is saying, I gave you my son. Of course I'm going to give you what you need. But what you need might be different from what you think you need. He sometimes allows us to go through things to, to give us opportunity to trust him a little bit more to learn that he knows best what we need better than than we do. And when we find that, our faith should grow. Our faith should deepen. It should give us a clearer picture of who he is through those experiences of what he does give us to help us trust him for the things he hasn't given us yet. Uh, yes, uh, but this is this is a struggle. This doesn't happen overnight, and it's not easy. I remember, um, again, going back to the beginning of my ministry, I had been working with a girl who was possessed. And it was a really, it was a very difficult and challenging experience. And I remember going home um, some days later, and I was actually doing some evangelistic seminars, and I'd been talking to a family, a missionary couple, um, who had been out in the Caribbean, and they were telling me this story, and they were saying, "Ah, uh, yeah, these robbers came into my house one time, and his they were both very tiny, short people, and his wife she said, "I turned to these robbers, big guys with baseball bats, she said, "In the name of Jesus, get out, and they turned around and shot out the door um I heard this story, went back and sat in my car, and a voice said. We are going to get you now. And instantly, all the hairs on my arms, I just stood up on end. And I tried to pretend, I tried to pretend that I hadn't heard what it was. You know, I'd been dealing with this demonic issue, and now they were speaking to me. And so I went home, I put on some music, and there was a, a song by Sandy Patty. And I just remember hearing the words coming through, there is power in the name of the Lord. There is strength in the name of the Lord. And I went to bed at night, that night, with that in my mind. Bang on two o'clock in the morning, I'm suddenly woken up, being strangled by an evil spirit. And the first thought that I had was, in the name of Jesus, and I said it kind of through gritted teeth, in the name of Jesus, get out, and it just stopped like that. But I was scared. I was terrified. Month after month, I would go to bed wondering, what am I going to see? What is around the corner? And I wasn't quite sure. So I'd go terrified. Um, some months later, there was another issue. And I was talking. It's like, God, I need someone to talk to. And I was actually praying and talking to God one day about this. I said, God, I need someone to talk to. And the Holy Spirit said, you cannot have anyone. I, I, I wasn't expecting a conversation. And it was like, well, what do you mean? And I saw in my mind a picture. 
it was a picture of Jesus. And it's hard to explain this. I, I hardly know how to explain it myself. But I knew Jesus was standing in front of me with his hands cupped open. And the Holy Spirit said to me, why do you think Jesus had to die? So you could remain miserable. You have got to appropriate what you need by faith. And so I thought about this and it kind of in my mind is like, okay, I, I need peace and joy, faith and peace and joy. And just I was suddenly flooded with that sensation. And that began a journey to realize that uh, my faith needs to be based upon the fact of the resurrection. Jesus has died for me. And when I claim the merits, if you like, of that death and resurrection, when I trust that, what Jesus has done, then I can have peace. So what are you experiencing right now? Anxiety, trepidation, fear. The Father gave his Son. Jesus gave his life. The good news is you have something to hang your faith upon. And that faith will lead you ultimately to peace. We're going to come back in just a moment as we continue looking at the subject of faith. But I do want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, please do be sure to pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. It is The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. Again, you can pick that up at itiswritten.shop. The book, again, is The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. You will be blessed as you broaden and deepen and strengthen your understanding of this quarter's lessons through that book. We're going to be back in just a moment as we continue looking at the subject of faith. We'll be right back. More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here, here, and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV, and at itiswritten.tv. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're here with Gavin Anthony, the author of this quarter's lesson. You've shared some powerful stories this week. I have a feeling that's not the last one, though. Yeah, well, let, let, let me tell you uh, another story where, well, it's about faith. Uh, I was uh, doing some meetings uh, somewhere, and someone came to me uh, they needed some help. He was a pastor. He had gone through a very difficult time in ministry. His marriage was falling apart. And he was about to leave his wife and leave ministry. And he, you could just see the look on his face. It, 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 he was so worn down by the circumstances. But I was listening to him and I thought, I thought to myself... He doesn't have faith. He's talking to God. He's praying. Uh, we all do that. But there wasn't faith in the praying. Uh, now, you know, it sounds a little bit arrogant to think that about someone. And I had to go straight away to another meeting. So I had a really short time to say something. And so I was really blunt. And I said, listen, you know, excuse me, but um, 
I think you don't have faith. I think you need to get on your knees and pray for faith in this because that's diff- exerting faith is different from complaining or whining to God. And I felt a little bit bad and I had to leave. And a, a few weeks I, I was back and uh, his friend met me and he said, has so-and-so come and found you? I said, no. He said, well, he's looking for you. And he found me and he said, I did what you said. I went back and I got on my knees and I prayed for faith and my life has been transformed. Now, we've been talking about faith being the the transformative element in transformation. And it was certainly the transformative element in his life. Wow, powerful. Speaking of, of transformation and powerful things, Tuesday's lesson is the power of the resurrection. And you've got a quote here from Ephesians chapter 1. What's the significance of, of this passage? Well, you know, we, we've early, a few minutes ago we were talking about the, the power of the resurrection, that that's the basis of our faith and confidence in, in God. Um, some years ago, again, right at the beginning of my ministry, I, I read a book by D.A. Carson called A Call to Spiritual Reformation. And it was simply an exegesis, an explanation of Paul's prayers. He just took all of Paul's prayers and said, this is what you can see here. And I remember reading them. It was just like my, my mouth was dropping open because I realized that what I pray was very different from the sort of things that Paul was praying. You know, I was praying for it to be a sunny day and then I'll have a nice day or, you know, whatever. And Paul was praying for astonishing things. And this is one of the first prayers that I I read of Paul. And uh, let, let me read some of this to you. This is Ephesians 1, starting in verse 18. And so this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. So you've got three things here. He says, you know, he's praying over the distance between him in Rome, I think, and the people in Ephesus where where the church is growing. He says, I, I want you to know these three things. I want you to understand the hope that he's called you, the glorious riches, and his incomparable great power. But then he explains what this power is like. He says, this is uh, the end of uh, the second part of verse 19. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I mean, wow. I mean, Paul is just going off into some sort of ecstasy here. Um, But the point is he's praying for people to understand some things that they didn't understand or they understood poorly. And he saw that prayer was a way to open up their minds. And I just began to think, wow, I can pray for people over huge distances for them to have this expansion in their minds of what God can do for them. And it's based in the resurrection, the raising up of Christ from the dead. And that power, that same power can work for you. There's not much bigger power that we could even think about here on, on planet Earth than the raising of the dead. And, and that power is what God wants 
us to be able to experience. So if, if you're going through challenges and wondering whether God's still around or is he powerful or can he help you, wrap your mind around that for a moment. Wrap your mind around the amount of power that it takes to bring Christ forth from the grave. If you don't think it takes much power to do that, try doing it yourself. See how far you get. That's a lot of power, and God wants you to experience, to, to have access to, to be blessed by that kind of power. Yes. Um, so we have the power of the resurrection that's available to us. And, and, and so we put our faith in that resurrection, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The problem is that we can come up with our own stuff. Um, I remember, again, going back to when I was, a, I was studying my exams for school, and it was the time when Haley's Comet was coming over. Again, we were living in Sri Lanka, and because I was in the middle of exams, and the best time to see Haley's Comet, which comes every 70 years, so, you know, it's only once in a lifetime you're going to make it. So I thought, okay, Haley's Comet is coming. The best time to see it, according to the newspapers, is on this date and this time it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to set my alarm. I'll, I'll just wait for that moment to see Haley's Comet. And so I set my alarm, 4 o'clock, um, went up onto our roof. We have a water tower and uh, looked up to see Halley's Comet. And guess what I saw? Nothing. Well, I, no, not nothing. I saw cloud. I'd forgotten it was monsoon season and it was thick cloud. And I thought to myself, no problem. God can do amazing things. He can move puffy clouds, even monsoon clouds. So I went back down the ladder, went into my bedroom, knelt next to my bed, and I said, God, I know you have all power. You can do anything. You can move those clouds. And so by faith, I claim the promises, you know, that you are going to move these clouds. Went up, climbed up the ladder, didn't look up till I found myself in the right place, looked up, thick cloud thick cloud and I thought what I mean I prayed God can do anything why didn't he move this for me and and we're coming back to the kind of the issue here um what I had was not faith it was presumption I presumed that God would do something for my entertainment and again you know what is our faith based upon? It's based upon God's words, what God has promised, the reality of the resurrection. Um, and, but there's nothing in the Bible that says, um, I'm going to move some clouds for you, Gavin. Uh, and that taught me a really valuable lesson to remember that if I'm going to pray for something, I have to go, what has God promised? If I can read it, if God has said it, I can quote it and I can claim it. But if it's not there, I better be wary. Some things we can bank on are the, are the verses in the Bible that give us encouragement and hope. One of them is, is 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares or your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Even though he may not have given you that perfect picture of Halley's Comet, doesn't mean he doesn't care for you, doesn't mean he's not there for you. It just means that maybe we have to bring our plans in line with his plans a little bit. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um but, but again, the problem is that when I'm going through the difficult stuff, you know, Haley's comment, that, that's not a big deal. When I go through the difficult stuff, I, I've heard of that text. It sounds good. Um, but you notice it says, cast them all. When, when I'm going through pain and I go into God's presence, I end up often whining. 
say, God, you know, haven't you heard this? And look at that and look at those people and listen to what they're saying. And he says, give them to God and leave them there. And so often I pray and I leave carrying my burdens with me. And so many times uh, that, that famous um, hymn comes back to my, my mind. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. But prayer being prayer where we, we put our faith in God because he is present and he is faithful to his promises. So cast our cares on him, give it over to him. You know, in Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 11, we, we see another picture here of, of God and, and what he does for us. What does he do? Uh, this is great. And again, we're talking about the prophets, the context, the broader context. Israel's not doing what they're supposed to do. They've messed up multiple times. There's the promise of some judgments, but then there's also promises of hope on the other side of judgment. And this is, if you imagine this as a picture, so God is speaking to his people. He says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. I mean, just think about this. And we often think about Jesus as a shepherd. But here, here we have God as the shepherd holding, it says, us close to his heart. I mean, I just, well, what an amazing picture. He, he cares, he's close, and he, he has this compassion on us. Gavin, there's one final quote that I think would be good to share uh, this week. And then I was wondering if you might uh, lead us in prayer as we close this lesson out. Yes. Uh, this is uh, a quotation from Testimonies for the Church. And it's about faith and how faith grows. And again, we often think that God should just sprinkle some dust on us or something and, and, and everything will go well. But this is what she says about faith. Faith grows strong by coming in conflict with doubts and opposing influences. The experience gained in these trials is of more value than the most costly jewels. So faith grows in coming in conflict, in my experience earlier, with the supernatural, with difficult situations. And I think every one of you at home will be going through times where you are coming in conflict with your doubts and your doubt wants you to believe that God is not there and he's abandoned you but he's not he just calls you to trust him and put your faith in him and on that basis I'd like to pray for you let's pray father I long for a faith that holds tightly to your words I pray for everyone listening today for a faith that holds tightly to your words and keeps on holding until your promises are realized. I pray that you'll grant all of us a fresh and living hope, a, a faith that does not rest upon what I see with my physical eyes, but a faith that clearly sees the face of Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gavin, thank you once again for leading us through this lesson on faith and Thank you for joining us. We pray that God will continue to bless you until we see you again next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.